Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Money Mitch Effect. Mitch Michaels, as always, hosting the sports podcast, but we have a lot to talk about in the world of football, the world of hockey. Uh, to do both, uh, the guy got to bring on, and we didn't plan it as such, but timing is everything in life. Joe Crisali back again on the show. Joe, thanks Yo. for joining me. Uh, heck of a day in uh, the world of football, as we're going to get into, but uh, always a blast talking to you. Yeah, I'm sure we're about to start talking about the Broncos, per usual, and how they give up a lot of stuff, and then everything goes poorly for them. Very yeah. excited. Yeah, we're doing this on the day. You know, we, we can start with that, too. I mean, we know the conference championship game and the, the Super Bowl matchup is set, but recording this on a Tuesday, set this in motion hours before the official news came that it looks like, in the, in the blink of an eye, it's a done deal, that Sean Payton will be the 19th head coach for the Denver Broncos, the hardest part was yeah. agreeing to compensation, how that would look, what the what the situation would look like in terms of him being under contract for the Saints, and would they agree to his his uh, departure, not release, but his departure for compensation, which by all accounts, Joe, it was always just about getting him in the AFC. Only the well, let's start here. There was no way he was ever going to coach before vacancies got filled. Teams like Carolina or even when Tampa Bay was in peril because there was never going to be a situation where he coached in the same division or even, I think, in the same conference. But the Broncos have yep. agreed to compensation. It's not official, 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 but it looks like it's going to be a first-round pick and a second with a third-round pick going back <laughs> to, <laughs> to Denver. Okay, so here's the thing, and I know you're, you're not in great spirits and maybe lesser men would have abandoned ship but you're going down with your broncos bronco country let's ride and all that stuff always yeah ride me right into a ditch baby let's let's look at it from this perspective right sean payton good coach the target the the top prospect of the pool of you know guys coming in to be in this new head coaching class of who's going to be coming back on the sideline or in some cases the first time but sean payton's an established brand so you got to at least accept the fact that he's the best get you could possibly get like forget about kind of where this franchise is for just a moment wouldn't you agree with this that this just makes your football team better by having Sean Payton I mean yeah absolutely like a real coach on the sideline for the Broncos it's been a few years it's great to have somebody in there that we can kind of you know expect good things out of and he's done it before with veteran quarterbacks he's a shorty QB guy like Drew Brees but all this says to me is next season, there are no excuses. If anything remotely close to what happened this year happens next year, the whole thing needs to be blown up. Maybe they just do change their name to the donkeys or something. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, I don't I just don't so, like, so everything, everything that's happened with the team so far, like Russell Wilson, not being the, being the same guy like is it Hackett's fault Hackett gets fired Hackett hires somebody to help him with clock management that guy gets fired nobody wants to coach for the Broncos because it's just been a coaching carousel the last like five years mm. and then only a team like the Broncos would have to give up compensation for a head coach to come and well I'll, I'll start the there I mean it's happened before right with Belichick with Mike Holmgren um, you know, of a couple other names Only in there. The okay, so, and, and the I think Peyton has earned the right to be mentioned in that discussion. You know, I think he's just as accomplished, if not more than Holmgren. Obviously, Belichick's a class of his own, but when they made that trade, the Patriots and the Jets at the time, Belichick was nowhere near what Sean Peyton is now. Like, that's just where he was yeah. before. 
So absolutely, that's the part where I wanted to make it clear. Like everything that's happened, you're right, has been a disaster up until this point with all the picks that they've traded away and everything. But I will say yeah. this is a new ownership group, the Walton family, which we know money is not going to be an obstacle. There is something that they're like, look, we're going to get the best guy. We'll build around him. We'll figure it out. Now, the key to this whole thing is going to be can Peyton. Like, if anybody can get anything out of Russell Wilson, it's going to be Sean Payton. So we're going to know if it was just Hackett and the system and everything last year. I, yep, I think that's exactly. the best case scenario there. The, the, the downside, though, is if, big if, if Russell Wilson's completely washed, I don't know how you blow this thing up with the money owed to him. Like, it's going to be some dog days even with Sean Payton. I mean, I guess there is the potential of trying to find somebody else, but, you know, they're not going to be able to pay for much or draft for much. So I think... I think this is the, my moral of all this, Joe, is it's the best of a, ba- of a bad or of a poor situation is you get a, an established coach, a real leader on the sideline, and you start slowly. And maybe maybe that's the lesson, too, is that you just got to see improvement. It doesn't have to be all in one day because the deck was kind of, you know, stacked against you by the, yeah. the owners yeah. and by the owners or GMs and coaches of the past. So, you know, I think this is a good step in the right direction, even if it could be a little bleak here. It's definitely a step in the right direction as far as like getting somebody in the building that knows what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. um, but there was all those reports coming out before uh, with like Harbaugh and Miko Ryan's and how Sean Payton didn't want to come coach the team because of Patton and there's all this turmoil in the front office and all that and who's in charge of what. And it just makes you think like, listen, like George Patton, whoever the hell else is up there talking their talk like you guys have screwed it up however many years that you've been in there the last like three years or whatever mm-hmm. it's time to uh bring somebody in that's got some proven experience and knows what they're doing and if he rubs you the wrong way that's a good thing because what you've been doing is wrong so far so somebody needs to come in and tell you how to do your job and sean payton is the guy to do it and i i've always liked him i mean those same teams they weren't like you know, crazy, ta- they didn't have crazy talented rosters. It's not mm-hmm. like they were the best teams in the league. And he still went and he won a Super Bowl. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And he's got he, skill. I mean, and and we he, know, and he, we know the Broncos and he's got have the skill. Cojones. Yeah. Yeah. He's got the cojones. He takes chances. He makes great uh, decisions. He knows how to get the most out of, I mean, this guy made Taysom Hill a thing. Like, let's be real. Yeah. Um, I'm with you there. So, hey, and I, the Broncos, they have the talent. They have, I mean, the same thing we said last year or even this past season or whatever, they they have the talent, they have the players, they they just have to stay healthy, and they needed somebody to come in and give them the right, just like the right play calls and mm-hmm. know how to, how to work a roster. And I think Peyton is the guy. It sucks to lose a first-round pick and a second-round pick. I mean, you get a third-round pick back, whatever. But, like, I think if you look at everything in the grand scheme of things, the Broncos got Russell Wilson and Sean Payton for was it three or four first round <laughs> picks and two second round picks, and yeah. they also lost Bradley Chubb. Yeah. So, well, I think they just said we're going to get Sean Payton. We already are so deep in the hole. What's another? What's another ten ten feet down in the hole? Six feet down in the hole or whatever. We're already in the pit. So, it's going to take a lot to climb out of it. But I don't know. I, I'm just hoping. Sean Payton comes in and he and he does you know turns his team around I mean what else what else am I going to hope for you know yeah I mean I agree with you there I think uh I think at this point based on everything that we've seen you know the next step is going to be who the defensive coordinator is and I think that's what's fascinating because it sounded like Peyton White and Vic Fangio 
does Fangio come back to Denver as DC? Like that could be a little yeah, awkward. Yeah, that wasn't happening. Well, that wasn't happening. he has options. I mean, you know, you have Miami that wants him. They're waiting. San Francisco is probably going to make a move because he did a great job there. So, I mean, look, like you said, like there's talent on on the defensive side, surely, and even at the offensive position. So, I think this is a good first. Stay healthy. Yeah, that's they part of it Gregory too. Gregory to that last year. He didn't, you know, he didn't play like at all. So, you get a healthy roster. It's constructed well on paper. I mean, that's what we all thought we were going into this season, but. Sean Payton's the guy that's going to get the most out of it. So I'm believing until I can't believe anymore. What do you think about D'Amico Ryan's going to the Texans? Another hiring news today. I mean, this guy led the best defense, one of the best two or three in the NFL. Uh, Defensive player of the year is going to come out of his system in Nick Bosa, and suddenly he's under 40, I think, if that. I mean, maybe 40. Hold up. That might go to Micah Parsons. Come on. Okay, do you want to bet right now? I already I preseason bet with Michael Parsons defensive player of the year, so I'm still holding hope out for that. I need to win something after the Bills. Okay. After the Bills and Boys lost. Be that as it may, D'Amico Ryan's 38 years old, head coach of the team that he played most of his career for. Pretty exciting stuff, and and I think he's, yeah. I think it's going to go well for him, and I think what's going to happen. I mean, this is just me, you know, spewing it myself, but. I think what's going to happen is he goes from San Francisco to Houston, and with all the quarterback turmoil going on in San Francisco, he's going to pull one of those QBs out of that room because he's worked with them before and he knows how to get the most out of them, and he's going to pull them over to Houston. Get rid of Davis Mills, flip that whole script around. I mean, let's be honest, though. Like, Lovey Smith, the team didn't win a ton of games, but Lovey Smith didn't do – he wasn't awful. He wasn't an awful coach at least in my opinion. Um, if, but if we're going based off wins, yeah, he was a terrible coach. But uh, I don't know. I just I think that the team liked Lovey Smith, but you bring in somebody like D'Amico, and, uh, you know, it's hard to not think that he's going to flip it around. But how quickly is he going to be able to do that? You know, they have some good young players on defense, and uh, they got the – probably think he'll win uh, Offensive Rookie of the Year uh, with his face, the running back dude. Um, Pierce. Pierce, yeah, Damian Pierce. I don't Pierce. know. I mean, I think that that could go either way for me. I think the biggest, um, you know, the biggest thing with the Texans is there hasn't been any stability, and the thing that stood out to me was six years, you know? That was the contract that he signed, yeah. so in it for the long haul, which but is does a, that mean anything? No, I mean, anymore? it, it like, doesn't, but but in that franchise's ecosystem, like, they were just, you know, older holdover types that they knew they were going to be bad. I think this is the fact that he was one of the hottest sought-after commodities. Like, if it wasn't the Texans, I mean, you, you'd mentioned Denver being interested in him and uh, yeah. other teams. And, and You were probably, probably most Broncos fans' first choice to come I, in. I think I think there was also a possibility, Joe, that he could have, you know, he didn't have to do anything. Like, he could have waited it out and been more selective because of how young he was and how good and loaded that Niner defense is. So, I think this is, yeah. a, I think this is a great sign. Just a, an absolute great sign. Texas defense last year wasn't a pushover. They had great. They were great in the secondary. Um, I think they were like top, maybe like top fifteen in pass defense, which for them is is pretty good. They're just that team that you always pencil in to come in last in their division and bring in a guy as defensive minded as him to make that defense even better. Hopefully, they can flip it around an offense and be a little bit more uh, tantalizing, but. I mean, good hire by the Texans. You know, Broncos missed out on him. So, 
I think it'll be fine. I think it worked out fine for everybody involved, honestly. I I think Sean Payton there. I mean, I don't think Ryan's... I I think he wanted to go to Houston. I think that connection drove him there, and I think it it makes sense. You know, we'll see. That division's not exactly a gauntlet, so we'll we'll see what ends up happening. But I'm excited to see where it goes. Uh, Some coaching hires filled. Had to get to that first. Joker Sally here on the Money Mitch Effect. Let's look at the games themselves. Championship weekend. One good game, one bad game, I think we can say. Uh, we'll start with the bad one out of the way. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the Eagles beat the Niners, dismantle them uh, in a game that, I don't know, Joe, would you say it was uncomfortable to watch the 31-7 to Eagles win when the team just it literally was, can't even throw the ball because of injuries? It was, it was embarrassing. Like, it was embarrassing for both sides. Honestly, I like, though, I like the fight that the 49ers players were showing in the in the fourth quarter, everybody was was talking a bunch of smack, saying, like, you're already getting run out of the gym, you know, like, just give up and run the clock out. Like, these guys, like, they're not going to just give up like that. And Eagles Eagles players are dirty. The team is dirty. The fans are dirty. <laughs> Everything go. that's got to do with Philly okay. is dirty. And, okay. like, they're always playing the us against the world card. It's like you against the world, easiest schedule in the entire league all season. Only games that you had, the two losses that they had, they didn't have Jalen. Um, but their season was a cakewalk. Jalen Hurts is a great quarterback. They have a great offense. Um, their defense is decent. But, like, do they show that they are the best team in the league? I mean, if they win the Super Bowl, yeah. But, like, I'm not rooting for them. Their playoff, you know, they beat the Giants team that probably shouldn't have been there. And then they go up against, like you said, San Francisco, playing their third-string quarterback, goes out with a torn UCL, which requires Tommy John surgery if you play baseball. For some reason, he doesn't need it, and it's only going to take six months. But I don't know how well that's going to go for him. Trey Lance was out all year. He was out. Jimmy G was out. And they go to Josh Johnson, and he gets a concussion, and he's out of the game. And then they got to put Purdy back in there. Can't even throw the ball more than five yards. And they're going to talk all this smack like, you know, they're the better team and they dominated them. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, no one's saying anything about how they put up 31 on the best defense in the league. It's like, yeah, because the defense was on the field the entire game because the offense could only run the ball. Yeah, that was so that was really hard I, to watch. Uh, and I don't, I don't want to get – I mean, they did what was in front of them. I mean, I don't think the play was – dirty or anything like that and I don't think it was you know it just it was an unbelievable break it was a t- it was a break that uh, you would dream of getting if you're on a certain team but it, and also yeah. you didn't even point out the fact that Elijah Mitchell didn't even play so they're already down another skill play. guy and it's just you know I was I wonder um, if Jimmy G couldn't be played too like he was just sitting there laughing the whole time I bet you he could have went out there <laughs> his, his arm was working he should have uh, had the pads on yeah laughing well maybe he was laughing I'm not entirely sure um, but I, I look, this game didn't really tell me anything about the Eagles other than maybe Hertz is starting to get a little better in terms of running. And I think what that's, game you know, well, yeah, like, like second half, he looked better running the football, but I will also caution to say that when a defense knows they're not getting anything on the other side of the ball, they're completely deflated. And that's when you kind of, you know, see the, the will go you know that more than anything with the Broncos right like when the offense isn't doing anything that's when the defense kind of just throws their arms up in disgust so a uh, bad break for the Niners and Kyle Shanahan that offense but Eagles are into the Super Bowl as the one seed and they uh you know 
They, there's not really much more to say to this game other than the fact that I don't think Devontae Smith caught that football. No, not even close. <laughs> the ball rolled on the ground. But what, yeah. like, and that was, that was a huge play. Everyone, that, like, obviously, everyone's watching championship games. There's only one game on, so every little thing's got a microscope on it. But you could say that if, if Shanahan threw the challenge flag there, that it would have flipped the script around, the game would have been different. But, like, <laughs> probably not. I mean, if Brock Purdy's going to get his, his elbow torn to, to, to garbage, like, he's, you know, what, what happens no. is what happens. You can't just, you no. can't guess what's going to happen. No, but, it was unfortunately over when that happened. Uh, tough break, as we all are aware, with, uh, with that. But, no, we'll see. I mean, the Niners, they got an interesting offseason coming up. You know, I, I don't know what they're going to do in terms of, you know, uh, open competition would probably be the way I would go with it between Lance and uh, Purdy and uh, just see what happens. But Eagles, man. Seen in, some Tom Brady talk, but what do you think? Seen some Tom Brady talk going on. Uh, I don't they'll, trade, they'll trade Trey Lance. They'll bring Brady in and yada, 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 yada. Mm, but right. I don't know. <laughs> I'm yeah. not holding my breath to that one either. Um, all right. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's just turn our attention to the other game because that was more fun. There's a little bit more to talk about in that one. Bengals, yeah, Eagles, Chiefs. Though, yeah. <laughs> Chiefs get the win. They're back into the Super Bowl. Third Super Bowl appearance for Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and Travis Kelsey. It was a game, Joe, that was way more defensive than I think a lot of us thought it would be. And uh, there was a lot to be made, fairly unfairly, about how this game was played, how this game was officiated, some of the things that happened. I think what it comes down to is I, I I hated the the fact that it ended the way it did, and I'm not a big fan of the sideline out of bounds, you know, roughing. But that's how they've called it. It's been consistent, and as a defensive player, you have to know that. So brutal, brutal ending. Didn't like it. Didn't want it to end that way. But that's how the game is called. So I can't say I have a problem yeah. with it. I I mean I'm with you. Like I've watched the highlight a hundred times. Like he pushed him when he was already mm-hmm. out of bounds like yeah. that's it's crappy but that's what the call is so i mean there's questionable calls there are questionable calls in both games that could have changed it and like it is what it is so sucks to see the chiefs go again but here we are watching chiefs eagles for absolute brutal super bowl if you're not a chiefs or eagles fan <laughs> yeah everyone was rooting for, for joe burrow and the Bengals, uh, especially I think the I think the game was actually won on you know the microcosm of how the game was in my opinion the key was everyone's going to make a big deal about the play but the series right before that I mean the Bengals had all the momentum in the second half offense finally got going Jamar Chase big fourth down catch T Higgins touchdown catch it was that series right before I mean it was the Bengals line kind of let them down and Chris Jones was a monster I mean Chris Jones and Frank Clark and Chris Jones getting that sack on third down Every other time, right, like we've seen the Bengals in the Joe Burrow era that he's going to come down marching down the field and win the game, it's tied. They've got the momentum. You know, they've weathered the storm. They've weathered some questionable calls. But in that moment, third and long, Chris Jones makes a play. The line can't hold up. And I think that was, to me, the difference. Like, we thought the Bengal line was back, and they give up a bunch of sacks, and Burrow's kind of running for his life again. So I think that was the key to me was how the Chiefs' D-line made a statement, made an impact. Well, they made a statement right away. They deferred off that opening um, coin toss. And knowing that the Bengals were one of the top teams coming down and scoring a touchdown in their first drive, or at least uh, like most points in the first quarter. 
the difference also being like last game, Joe Mixon, over 100 yards, touchdown, 20 carries. This last game, he only had eight carries. So, like you said, the offensive line was not helping out. They were not giving way and it didn't allow them not only to protect Joe Burrow, but they couldn't run the ball either. So there wasn't a lot of balance for them on offense. And the Chiefs took advantage of that. They got after Burrow. And, I mean, Mahomes did his thing, even with the bum ankle and all, which I couldn't even fathom playing on it's, a high ankle. Like, isn't, it, isn't it crazy to think how good this guy is and how much better he is than most at the position, even on one ankle? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, <laughs> Like that's, I mean, I, I, I keep going back to this show. I go to every one of the Chiefs fans I know, and unfortunately, I know too many. And I just say, enjoy <laughs> it. I just say, you got the, you won the lottery. You got the guy yeah. for the prime you of his career. Like you got the one guy that's better at that position. And it'll, and if you really want to get more of the Chiefs fans, just tell them it'll probably never happen again in your lifetime, based on the odds. And it's crazy. It's crazy to think that he's better than Burrow. Just and even Josh Allen. Like watching Burrow. He is, though, and I love Burrow, and I love Allen, but he is. It's crazy because Burrow is just so composed, and he doesn't seem to get freaked out in any situation. Like, he goes through all his progressions. He's so tough, too, because he knows he's he's going to get drilled with that that line. He knows he's going to get drilled, and he stands in there just to give his receivers more time and knows he's going to take a shot and still does it. And Mahomes, the thing about Mahomes is he also – has the same like he's cool but he also can move and he can make plays out of nothing like yeah he's 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 one of a kind well and i'm also gonna say the fact they had no receivers basically i mean they had valdez scantlow who was balling balding and uh, balling excuse me and travis kelsey <laughs> i mean he is balding <laughs> probably yeah that freudian slip but mvs kelsey isaiah pacheco they were the beast but juju gets hurt you know, Tony got hurt. They they're down Hardman, I think, as well. And they got guys in there that are special teamers having to come in. Sky Moore was getting snaps snaps on offense, but they still find a way to get it done. It's just the resourcefulness by by Mahomes, whether it's the team around him or whether it's his physical body breaking down. It, it's just incredible, man. And you gotta credit Andy Reid too, because they're ready to go no matter who's in, who's available. It just seems like it's yeah. always the case. It's crazy. You you just look at their roster and who who played in that game and their receivers like it's not like the targets are you know it's not like everybody's catching a bunch of balls yeah. like just like you said Juju came out of the game he had one catch so who stepped up you know mm-hmm. Pacheco made some made some nice plays tiptoeing down the sideline on some third downs they just they just play the game they got ballers and and I can't believe that they're dogs against the Eagles in the Super Bowl, but I'm on that. Well, I want to get to that in a second. I just want to point out that with a sack and a half uh, in the game, Frank Clark is third all-time in the playoffs in sacks. So interesting to know. Yeah. He only trails uh, Willie McGinnis and Bruce Smith. They're 1-2, so, and they're only two and a half and one ahead of him. So Frank Clark becoming a beast. Um, I also and- want to say... I was listening to Tony Romo <laughs> a little bit, okay. and he, he made one point that kind of stuck with me, and the Chiefs on defense, they got a lot of people talking negatively about them to start the year out, but they've kind of really solidified it out, like you said about Frank Clark and, um, and those guys on the pass rush, but their secondary has really stepped up, and what Tony Romo said was that the rookies, they're not rookies anymore. 
they've been they've played all season long and they know what to do now and that really you know stepped up like Trent McDuffie he really stepped up for them some big pass defenses against the Bengals in that game that was kind of like what he he pointed out was a lot of the guys on the team that are rookies they've played all year and they know what's expected of them and and they're they're better and they're they're just doing what has to be done out there it's just crazy. I, I don't even think about it in that way. Like when you're talking about teams, you just think about like all the the top tier guys and the first level of like stars and offensive guys. But all those little in between guys that that's what's important if you're going to be a championship team. Like like we just said, the Chiefs have a bunch of people on their roster catching balls that you don't even know who the hell they are, but they're out there. Well, and they're and they're winning games. They've also so. got. So they've got so much money tied up to the stars on the team. You know, the Mahomes, obviously, Kelsey, Chris Jones. The only way that you're able to still contend, even with those talents in the salary cap era, because that's what makes the NFL so great, is that there's parity. If you give big contracts, you can't pay everybody else. They have hit on so many draft picks. Like, they they have gotten legit pros out of so many of their first, second, third, even fourth and fifth round picks that... That's yep. why that that is another reason why they're in this position. So props to them. Exactly. And uh, I'll just wrap this game by saying, you know, I, I'm just sad that the good guys like Eli Apple can't have a moment. <laughs> good guy. I'm honestly caught that there. Uh, Man, that guy, he's the that only guy Ohio is, state guy that I don't ride for. So there you go. <laughs> that guy. He talks a lot of smack. Bro, if you're, does. if you're, yeah, exactly. If you're not good enough to back it up, it's like trash talking one one. In his, I don't know if yeah. in his mind if he's just delusional, or if he knows he kind of has to be a troll to stay relevant. But he talks yeah. like he's Deion Sanders, and he's not. He's he's not close. I after that game, I had a flag football game on Sunday, and this guy, we were shutting him down on defense, and he was talking smack to me, and he was like, "Let me take you one on one. I'm I'll be open every play." I'm like, "All right, like let's do it." Shut him down. First play, I swear he almost fell over. He tried to do a cut move. Mm. on an out route and he was like oh i'm open and i was like i'm right here man like you're you're not as fleet of foot as you think you are (laughs) yeah that's the eli apple method of uh playing defense but you know it's just it's unfortunate because it wasn't just him but there were so many people on the Bengals that you know were calling it burrowhead and talking talking smack and it was like i thought last week like do do these do the Bengals think that they won the super bowl already because you still have two they more games the, left, and it was just a lot of. You beat the it's like why give Mahomes and, and those guys motivation? You know, like that's that's what I didn't get. But they don't they don't need it, and I, I think especially the Chiefs coming from that perspective as not being like um, the Cincinnati Mayor. The like what? they weren't the favorite in that game. <laughs> the Cincinnati Mayor. Like what? What do we? You know. I just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I think them not being the favorite in that game had a little bit to do, to be fair, with Mahomes' um, ankle. We didn't know what we were going to see, and we saw, you know, him be Superman again. Uh, last thing on football, Joe, I get, I, I kind of <laughs> do get why the Eagles are favorite because you look at the rosters, just the rosters themselves. I think the Eagles have the better one to fifty-three, at least from a better health yeah. standpoint. But the Chiefs they got do. that one. They've got one and maybe two, you know, in Mahomes and Kelsey. So. Uh, I don't. I have a lean right now. I think I'd, I'd lean against never picking against Mahomes, but we'll see. We'll we'll see what happens in the days and and, and weeks to come. But you know that's what's I'm, great. I just like what I saw out of uh, the Chiefs not being favored to win a game and how they came out 
and took that game and the way that Mahomes played and the way that everybody played. And I feel like it's the same kind of deal. And you know Andy Reid wants this game mm-hmm. more so in Philly. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I'm definitely on the side of not betting against Mahomes for this one. But I've, I've been proven wrong about the Eagles all year. So it it's kind of puts me in that little tweener spot. But we'll see. Money line, Chiefs plus 105 right now. We'll see. It's been shifting, so we'll see where it ends up. Uh, Joe Crisali, Money Mitch Effect. We gotta before we let you go, talk some NHL action. I think the trades already started too with Bo Horvat getting dealt yeah, to the so, Islanders. Now, yeah, interesting. Islanders are out, so the Islanders going for it here, and and we can kind of start with the deal itself, right? So the the Islanders make the move. They get rid of Bavillier, who is, is a good player. They get a, they get rid player. of uh, Raddy and they get rid of a first round pick that is protected, but it's a lot for a team that isn't officially in the playoffs and, and it's going to have to battle to get there. Part of me thinks yeah. that he could get flipped again if the Islanders don't make their move, but but in the here and now, I would look at it as you have a goalie in Sorokin who's been amazing, like he's been he's the best player unreal. on the team. You unreal this year. You have a roster that has the pieces and they just can't score, so. Lou Amarello, you know, 80-year-old Lou Amarello saying, look, we're going for it. Like, just so you know, we don't... I'm not trying to die. Yeah, we're not trying to die. We're not trying to die. But I get the aggressiveness. And look, if you want to preemptively get out in front of it and give yourself a chance, you do a deal like now, late January, as opposed to closer to the deadline. So it's aggressive, but I kind of get why the Islanders feel that sense of urgency. It's aggressive. They needed to make that move now, like you said, if they wanted to make any jump in the standings. But like, Right now, they're sitting two out of the wild card with 55 points behind Buffalo and in right now with Washington and Pittsburgh, 58-57. And, I mean, they're, they're only right above Florida at 54. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're in a tough spot. And you're kind of anticipating there, okay, I know the Rangers are up there with 62 points. They could potentially drop a little bit or if they make a move, go up a little bit. New Jersey, I don't know if they'll be able to keep that going there. Hopefully not. Uh, but... The Islanders are right in that middle spot where a lot has to happen for them to make it up because yeah. if Pittsburgh and Washington just even continue on the pace that they're on right now, and they still could add somebody if they want to, it's going to be hard for them to jump up. But like you said, Sorokin, I mean, Vesna this year. I mean, I think like, so, but, but then again, some, you know, we'll see how it goes, but I would right now. I mean, his shutouts are, you know, the guy is, the guy's been pretty, pretty locked down in goal. No, and I think you bring up a good point, too. I mean, look, those other teams you mentioned, they're going to be aggressive, too. Like, they're going to add. They might not. Odds are they're not going to add a guy like Bo Horvat because those players don't come around too often. But they're going to, at the trade deadline, address their weaknesses. So, They'll do something. Yeah. They will do something. Vancouver. Patrick Kane will be on one of these teams. The injury, the injury gives me pause. The injury makes me think that we're going to do this whole thing next year. I think next year Kane? might be the yeah. I don't know. I don't know that they trade. Kane. We'll see, man. I I think that's that's a, a healthy debate. Uh, how about Vancouver finally jump starting their rebuild properly? Perhaps uh, the way they traded Bruce <laughs> Boudreau, Bruce Boudreau was a complete joke, and uh, yeah. he just didn't deserve that. Like why you wouldn't just fire the guy and give him the professional decency to do that? But they can start a rebuild and hopefully get uh, you know get the bottom out and then just go up. But this is a nice start because that was a that was a pretty healthy haul for Bo. Yeah, yeah, pretty solid. And now maybe you'll finally stop thinking that the Canucks are going to make the playoffs. 
I didn't pick them in the off season. I picked them one I know, time. I, I picked them one time. I, I admitted my mistake and I moved on. Uh, okay, just, okay. just some, just some. Well, hockey. they did got pieces. Yeah, they got pieces. They can move Brock Boser, obviously. Yeah. Um, I don't think they'll move Miller for some reason. They like to just. I don't hang think Quinn gets moved either. Um, but yeah, uh, the, they got some D guys like Luke Shen, Tyler Myers, Ekman Larson, maybe. Luke Shen's going to get moved for sure. Said, I, I read something saying that they should trade Kuzmenko, and I was like, why in the world would you do that? Dude's got 21 goals, 43 yeah. points, rookie season. Like you, That's a building key. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you there. Luke Shen's the kind of player. You get you beef up your blue line this time of year, so that's a that's a big one. Uh, I wouldn't mind Luke Shen on the Rangers, to be honest with you. Well, I think, you know, because I'm not, because I'm not predicting Patrick Kane to get traded, and I'm interested to hear your take. I mean, because Bo Horvat is is a very good, you know, player in terms of what you yeah. can get in a trade. Do you think yeah. he's the biggest deadline piece? Because I actually think if I was going to make Horvat? like, because who gets? Because how many times are there like the big trade prizes? If you think about it, like obviously it would be, obviously it would be Patrick Kane if he gets traded. But Bo Horvat's an all all star, all that. I actually think that the biggest name that will get traded. And it depends, and I don't know if it's like biggest name or necessarily just who I think is going to be impact. But I think Chikrin is going to be the guy. I that, was going to say that. Yeah. I was going to say Chikrin, yeah. Twenty four, man, and twenty four blue line, like just just a beast. And the the Oats have done kind of overachieved. I think you can get a yep. lot for them. They are still in the Bedard sweepstakes, and then you really rebuild. But he'd be the guy I think to target because those players, the market, you know, there's not that many guys like him that become available. I honestly, this isn't just because I'm a Rangers fan, but they have a, a history of trading with the Coyotes. That um, would make you guys very, very oh, well positioned if you got him. And they're open to giving up guy a guy like Kraftsov. Um, they got a couple other pieces mm-hmm. that they can move, Robertson. And, you know, you get a, a young dude like that, it's worth it to give up a first-round pick and a – an NHL-ready talent, that doesn't even necessarily fit with the team right now. No. So you fill that need on defense, which has really kind of been where they're lacking. Because Keandre Miller's been been decent, but he's had a couple flubs here and there. Um, they just signed Harper to be that uh, kind of like bruiser, grinder-type guy hitting people, but he's not really solid. And like I told you the last time we talked, if I see Lieber Hajek on the ice again, I'm just going to lose my mind. They and yeah. outside and outside of and outside of that need on D, like I'm I'm looking for the Rangers to grab somebody that can score some goals because Trocek hasn't done it this year. They lost they lost some goal scorers. They lost some like key, you know, like insider type players to free agency and stuff to start the year, and they didn't really fill fill those roles. Um, but Chitrin, like you said, I think is is going to be the big one. And if he goes to the Rangers, that'll be huge. But there's, there's a few other guys. I think we, we can look at like big name Tarasenko. I mean, he's been kind of, yeah, the blues are, the, the blues are done. They're, they're, they're going to be rebuilding here. Uh, I know they went on a miraculous cup run from dead last before, but I think the, the ages of this core, I think they're going to be sellers. So maybe yeah, Tarasenko could be one. Um, no, I mean, we're, we're, we're only scratching the surface, baby. Like this is going to, this is going to go on for a while. We got to get through all-star break and then, you know, then the teams can really come back and evaluate how we're doing. But 
Um, the Sharks also have a few guys that they could move. Yeah. You know, Timo might be a guy that, I mean, even the Rangers could look at to fill one of those goal-scoring roles. Um, yeah. Eric Carlson, to keep him in San Jose, you know, he's got that deal, but yeah, the Sharks... They so, never. They seem to never going anywhere. So, so I want to. I want to just talk about a couple of different teams and just kind of get your thoughts on some things. One being, I mean, this has really been an iconic year for the Boston Bruins. I know you hate to see it, but they are. I mean, I don't see many they're weaknesses. Ridiculous. Yeah, they're ridiculous. I really did. I don't think either of us anticipated them. No, be, no, I thought they could be missing the play. Well, yeah. So, so it's looking like. I mean, they're they're going to be the runaway division champs. So then. You know, the rest of the playoffs, it's funny. That last wild card spot just could be a sacrificial lamb. But depending on who you yeah. are getting into the playoffs could be big. Toronto and Tampa are going to be look like they're locked in for another series, which is pretty pretty interesting, um, which could happen. I mean, I, I want that Devils-Rangers first-round matchup because the Devils and their road success, which has just been insane, and how the Devils have kind of blown up and, and really, you know, the players have all realized it. Rangers are middling there too, uh, in the three spot, you know, a decent spot with Carolina in the division lead, but the wild card race in the East Joe is, is very fascinating. Washington and Pittsburgh still, still trying to hang on, get their old core, another run there. Uh, but you have teams like the Islanders and you have, you know, Florida obviously, but my favorite young team. And I was just a little early on them years ago, but the Buffalo Sabres. Yeah. Hey, Tage, They're right there. Tage Thompson, Tage Thompson. What a guy. UConn. <laughs> Yeah. UConn, great. <laughs> you got to get a jersey because he is, look, his size, what does he go, about 6'6 six, six or so, um, born yep. in Arizona, which I think is fascinating that the two best pure goal scorers right now in the NHL, you could argue, are both, if you kind of, you know, yeah. you know, the best young ones, at least with Matthews and him, both born in Arizona. So I don't know if they're going to get in. I just think a team like that getting in means so much, even if you get swept out by the Bruins. You know, it's like just get to the playoffs, get some experience and, build on it but yeah the Sabres are a fun team man seeing Sage Thompson be this good and be talked about as one of the top goal scorers in the league is awesome Buffalo's good they got Alex Puck he's got 54 points on the year Olufsen to another 20 goal scorer they've got some pieces there uh, I think Dylan Cousins was one that was having a decent year I think he just got injured though but yeah, they're they're an exciting young team. We've been talking about them for the last couple of years. Yeah. And they're sitting right there with the Islanders of Florida. Yeah. Just and trying to get in. Yeah. It's they, sad to see Detroit fall off the way they have though. Yeah, and they you know, they they made they looked better early and they just haven't had it recently. So it, it has been been tougher to watch for them. Um how about the Western Conference though? Cuz there really hasn't been an alpha team yet. I mean, even the Kraken in your neck of the woods are leading the Pacific right now. Vegas is falling Not- apart. Kings are up and down, but, you know, Copley came in at goal and randomly was good. Um, Dallas Time Stars. push, baby. Well, you know it. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, yes. Connor McDavid <laughs> is having a year that I, I, we're not talking about enough that he's got 92 points already. He's got 92 points and we're not in February. It's ridiculous. Him and his dirty hole sucks. But they're 7-1 and one in their last eight games, man. And who was like, the one lost to? Oh my God! <laughs> <Got> a, <laughs> and that was on prime time. That we were talking about. I that thought game. it was going to be like, a slaughtering. Uh, yeah, thought it was going to be a slaughtering, but no, that was it's funny. That's your I mean, club final right there. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunate how Columbus' season's gone, but they'll get Connor Bedard. Hopefully, you know, if if the Blackhawks end up with Bedard, I'm going to just riot in the streets. <laughs> Do 
Do you think the Oilers move Paul Jarvie? I don't know. I mean, that's an interesting one, right? I think it's shaping up for, you know, Evander Kane's back. Hopefully they can get some stability in net. The division's there for the taking. It does seem like it's time for Edmonton to go on a run. When you look at the teams. They in yeah, they've had him there. You no, know, that he just they've they've tried him in a bunch of different situations with mm. you know Smith and stuff, and just not, hasn't worked out for him. But what's really setting the Oilers up here is honestly, other than <laughs> other other than McDavid being ridiculous <laughs> per usual, look at Zach Hyman, man. Yeah. He came over to this last year, finished the season fifty four points, twenty seven goals. He's already got sixty points this year. Yeah. He's plus minus sixteen last year was minus nine. Like this guy has really turned it around for them, which really upsets me because I drafted him last year and I and he ups, and he just ruined it for me. So I didn't pick him this year and that's how that goes. But I don't know. As, as far as like how much parity there is in the Western Conference, like I think Edmonton's the choice, dude. Like like you said, Kane is coming back. McDavid's firing all cylinders. They got one of the most talented rosters. Solid goaltending. I mean, Stuart Skinner has kind of been up and down. Um, yeah. But, you know, Mm-hmm. They got Jack Campbell there, who he's pretty pretty solid. So if you got those two guys, one two punch, yeah. they both equal to be a good goalie. So mm-hmm. <laughs> you know they yeah. they got a chance, and if it's the Kraken, that would be awesome. <laughs> but McDavid's, McDavid's we'll got McDavid's got goals in four of his last five, uh, eight goals in his last nine games. So that's pretty good. <laughs> Just ridiculous. Pretty good. Uh, yeah. So, the, the, so like, if we want to talk Kraken, like. So the Kraken, you know, they, I mean, I'll, I'll, let me just start good. with this. Last year, you, and I'm just singling you out, but a lot of Kraken you know, fans and supporters were like, whoa, this team, It's why are they not as good as Vegas year one and all this stuff? And it's like, okay, year one, expansion. The expansion draft, they drafted veterans, but what they did was smartly trade away a lot of those pieces, reload a little bit, retool a little bit, and now they're kind of built similar in that Vegas regard of just no real top-end, you know, barn burner type talents, but... They are a deep team that can go three, four lines deep, no problem. They're getting goaltending support, and they've got, I think, a good roster to make the playoffs. I don't expect them to win this division because Edmonton's coming, and even a team like L.A. or you know whatever happened to Vegas, I'm not sure. But I think the Kraken yeah. are, are primed to make the playoffs, get that first experience. But I mean, defensively, they've been they've been far and away good. And you know, I got to point out, sixteen five and two on the road, so. Not afraid to go win one on the road as well. So I think the Kraken are are starting to set up, you know, starting to build their long-term future. I don't expect them to be aggressive at the deadline. It's too quick in their ascent to the top here. So I think this is good for them that they just, you know, accumulate depth and then kind of reevaluate down the road. But I don't want them to go all out on a prospect now or a big-time talent. They are the only team in the NHL ever to win all seven games on the road trip. One of those wins coming against the Bruins, which we talked about earlier being the stalwart of the league so far, that kind of set the tone for them. That one road trip, they won eight games in a row, seven seven on the road. And that kind of just like put them on the map, at least even for the fans here. And I don't know, man, they, they got, they have, they have a first round pick they can trade. And how, how deep in do they want to go on that? You know, like they don't even need their, first round pick this year Shane Wright they kind of just had him in limbo that was a tough um, that was a tough hit though that Bernier took to miss now he's gonna miss the all-star game and we'll see what he's all-star. like yeah that sucks uh who was that Tyler Myers that did that I'm pretty sure he's gonna next game he's gonna get some he's gonna get his um <laughs> yes he is but 
Vince, like Vince Dunn stepping up for them on D, they kind of anticipated that they had him shadowing Giordano when he was here last year as the captain. And that's kind of the role that Dunn has taken on. Him pairing with Larson is really good on the back end there. And who saw Martin Jones doing no. even anything remotely close to what he's doing right now? 23 wins from this guy? The last time I saw, the last time I, or I shouldn't say the last time, but I've watched the Martin Jones play goalie against the Kings and that just classic weeknight performance that was 8-7 cracking in overtime. And Martin Jones <laughs> gave up all seven and stayed in the game, which was even, <laughs> gave up seven, got the win. But... To be yeah. fair, yeah, it, it, you know he is he's teetered in the full time role, right? At at the Sharks, he didn't really handle the load, and now he is. So you know, still a relatively young guy, I think. It's, and, you know, it's kind of it's kind of awkward to be honest, just in the air. <laughs> yeah, because everybody here was told that Grubauer is the guy. You ride the hot hand, man. You, you gotta, you gotta love this guy, and then yeah. Martin Jones is there, and everybody's kind of accepted him, and now it's they've come to expect him to be, be that guy, um, and he's been pretty good. So I just know I've watched him for a few years, and I just am waiting, I'm waiting till we see what mm-hmm. what we've seen in the past from him. Last, but yeah. what's really surprising me from them is Daniel Sprong. I mean that guy, like. Every time he's out there on the first power play, I'm like, why is this guy in the first power play? And he always seems to score on the power play for them. So, um, I don't know. They, they've got a lot of, like you said, they've got a lot of like mid-tier pieces that are just showing out for them. And they've made some low-key, solid pickups. Like, they went out and they got Eli Tolvan, uh, young kid, 23. He had, I think his first two years were with Nashville. Yeah, first two years with Nashville. First few years were with Nashville. Um He's come in. He got eight goals for the team already in fifteen games. So, you know they're they're looking all right. He's looked good. He certainly has. And this team's been fun to watch. Uh, Joe, last thing at Central Division with Dallas pacing it with the Jets on their heels. You think your Wild make a move? Do you think the Colorado Avalanche, defending Cup champs, is it time for them to get back in play? How do we see this division? Because I'm waiting on the Avalanche, and they've had injuries and they've had issues. But maybe it's time now. Four games in hand. Second half, Stanley Cup hangover. Maybe it's subsided. They've took some, you know, Motrin or something. Their head feels fine now. Maybe it's time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they definitely need to do something here soon. Do you think maybe they go out and get somebody? Do you think they're going to be they're getting some the money issues? So, just, I don't know. I, I think they're, they're going to just. I think they're going to ride it out and see. They have the talent advantage, and maybe, you know, getting guys healthy, and maybe you know, unfortunately, you just. You think like maybe we can get see if these teams in front, Dallas and Winnipeg, who, you know, we've each, you know, I think you were a little higher on Dallas than me. I was a little higher on Winnipeg than you, but Robertson's been a beast. He he's probably a top five, you know, performer this year if we're doing MVP stuffs. Pavelski, that guy just doesn't age. He's going to be forty and he's still just grinding. Um, yeah. But do you look at what and you look at what uh what, you look at what Winnipeg's doing with Kyle Connor, Morrissey, and then. You know, the artist formerly known as PLD in Columbus. Um, we'll see. I mean, it's just, I, I think that the Avalanche are going to have their work cut out for them, but they still have a ton of talent on that roster, and I expect them to make a run. Yeah, I think they're going to, like you said, probably just wait it out mm-hmm. until they get some of their guys back and keep pushing forward. Can't wait to see, man. It's going to be a blast. Uh, Joe Crisali, thanks for coming on the Money Mitch Effect. And I uh, hope you're excited about Sean Payton and, uh, you know, football once again in uh, 2023. 
I'll be excited uh, once teams start reporting for OTAs. I don't really care anymore right now. <laughs> All right. There, there he is. Joe Crisali on the Money Mitch Effect. <laughs> Good talking to him. Uh, we'll be back next week. More sports topics to cover, uh, a detailed Super Bowl preview, and more news and notes in the world of sports. You can find the Money Mitch Effect on all your podcast platforms, Apple, Google, uh, and SoundCloud as well. Check out the Money Mitch Effect Facebook page and follow me on Twitter at MoneyMitchM21. Thanks to Joe Crisali. My name is Mitch Michaels. This was the Money Mitch Effect. We'll see you next week. Keep enjoying sports.